This morning's reading is from Psalm 61. It's the whole psalm, so from 1 to 8. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. I'm here by mistake. You need to know that I asked Simon to speak. We have a special meeting every now and again where we take the old-timers and the very old-timers and we put them all together. And I thought we needed a young, athletic-looking man, and I thought Simon would fit the bill. So I said, Simon, would you come? Being an Englishman, he said, I'll be there. And then I got a phone call a few days later. He said, um, Joe, I'm coming to um, Silver Mine Retirement Village. You thought of coming through to St. Barnabas? And so here I am today, but I'm happy to tell you that they've got the better bargain than you have. <laughs> okay. Well, if you have your Bible, that's fine. Or you might have an outline that will do the trick. And you will notice there that we're going to look for a few moments at the subject of what to do when trouble comes. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, just help us, guide us, and lead us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Some years ago, I received a phone call from one of our parishioners, he was extremely distressed. And then he shared with me that his son, who was at one of our universities, went into his room and hanged himself. And then he said to me, my biggest problem is not only uh, having the news of what has happened to our son, but I don't know how to tell his mother. And I know that if I tell her, she will go hysterical. So I gallantly said, well, I will speak to her and tell her about it. But what I did was I phoned their doctor. I knew him. I knew he was their doctor, and he was also a friend of mine. And I asked him to meet me at the front gate. And when the time came, we were there together. We went inside, and I, I shared 
with the mother. She suspected something was wrong, and I shared with her that her son had committed suicide and hanged himself. She went absolutely hysterical, and um, she got a very strong injection, which helped for a while, and um, it was a very painstaking time. And a few days later, the family said to me, would I speak at the funeral? I didn't know him. Both mom and dad were regular members of our church. Uh, and I really um, uh, didn't know what to say. And I asked the Lord for a word. I asked him for a message that I could share with the parents, with the friends, and those who came to join on that occasion. And the word that came to me was in Psalm 61. It's on the top of your outline there, and it's the authorized version. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. These words were written by a man who was a king. In fact, God took the trouble to tell us that he was a man after his own heart. And here was this man wallowing in trouble. His own son Absalom usurped his authority, took over his father's throne, ruled the nation, and chased his dad out of Jerusalem. Couldn't get worse. Overwhelmed. Dethroned by his son rejected by his people, abandoned by his family, and scorned by his enemies. And in his moment of despair, David cries out, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And you will notice as you look at these words, he says, when my heart is overwhelmed, not if my heart will be overwhelmed or not if it occurs or maybe if it happens. He says, when it happens, the time will come. There will be a knocking at your door and my door when we feel that our hearts are overwhelmed and we are taken a amiss by the circumstances around us. He felt, did David, overwhelmed. Some years ago, I was sitting down talking to a very dear friend, and we started speaking about swimming. And uh, I had to very embarrassingly tell him I couldn't swim. And, uh, oh, he says, that's not a problem. He said, I'm a swimming instructor, and I'm very happy to teach you how to swim. And uh, he said, you know, nothing to worry about. In fact, I instructed Olympic swimmers. So I thought, well, that's good enough credentials for me. And um, we got together, and of course, when I started swimming, my feet kept sinking all the time, and then I would follow down. And it wasn't a very good job, but he was very encouraging, very patronizing, telling me what I, um, uh, how I was improving. 
And then one Friday morning, and I remember the occasion, he walked and he took me all the way to the deep end of the pool, 16 foot. And he said to me, Joe, you have now graduated. I thought, well, that's some graduation there. And he says, what you've got to do is you've got to dive in and go all the way down to the bottom, spend some time there, <laughs> and then come back. And I want to tell you that my going down wasn't a problem. I, I really was able to get down there. And what I thought was that I should stay down there for a while and see if there was any money. So I looked around to see if there were any coins. I didn't get one. But the time came when I realized that um, I had to go up. And that was another challenge. My lungs were bursting. My eyes felt as if they wanted to pop out. My eardrums were ready to fly. And I think I heard in the distance the hymn, Nearer my God to Thee. It was so bad. But you know, I knew then, just physically, what it was to be overwhelmed. But here is this man, David. He is overwhelmed. And I don't know anybody's circumstances here this morning. And I don't know anything about your background. And I don't know anything about your home life, whatever it might be. But it just may be. In the providence of God, you are sitting here this morning and you are feeling overwhelmed. You are feeling that the pressure is too much. You are feeling that you're worried about the future or maybe you're worried about dying or maybe you're concerned about your financial resources, your ailing health, whatever it might be. David said this, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now I want us to look, what is that rock? Who is the rock? How do we understand the rock? And I think that there are three pictures in the Bible that tell us about the rock. And the first one is way back in Exodus chapters. 17 and verse 6 and we notice there that Moses writes about the smitten rock you'll note there strike the rock and the water will come out for the people to drink on the occasion the children of Israel had come out of Egypt they were without water the situation was dreadful whether it was for the animals or the old or the young or the families there was no water and they complained to Moses, and Moses complained to God. And God said, that, rim, that rod that you have, go along to the rock there and in the distance, and I want you to strike the rock. And you know, he struck the rock, and from it, water gushed out. And when you go into the New Testament and you listen and read a little bit carefully, Paul writes and he says that rock was Christ. And that picture of that rock 
is a picture of the Lord Jesus who gives and restores our thirst when we have been struggling and striving to go right. And you know, sometimes in life we go through life, don't we? And we just find it so, so, so difficult. Uh, life is dull. Life is boring. Life is unpalatable. And um, we're reminded of the Lord Jesus who said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of the abundance of his heart will flow rivers of water. In other words, we're saying this, that when our hearts are overwhelmed thirst-wise, and we're not finding life palatable, we're not finding life enjoyable, we're not finding life satisfying, we're not finding life fulfilling, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the smitten rock. The second picture that we have was written also by David. You've got it in your outline there. Psalm, there in Psalm 40, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and established my going. You know what has happened here in the psalm as you look at David? He looked back at his life. And he looks back at all those things that he's contravened. He looks back at his life as his words, as his behavior, his decisions. And he has a feeling that he's in a miry pit. He feels overwhelmed in this deep distress, this pit of destruction, this um, emotional agony. Can I just pause for a little moment? I'm an old man here. I'm, notice here I'm much older than most people by many years. But you know what I've learned? That as I get on in life, the devil reminds me again and again and again and again of my past transgressions. And I know they are forgiven. I know Christ died on the cross for me. I know that he is my redeemer. But my enemies, and certainly the devil, and my memory, remind me of the past. And there are times when I feel a sense of shame, a sense of embarrassment, a, a sense where it's despicable what I've done. And here is um, David writing, and he looked back at his life. He actually says the troubles that surround him. He says the sins that overtake him. His heart is failing him. I read a story a couple of months ago of a dog in a Medora, a township in New Jersey, New, uh, New Jersey went missing for seven days and seven nights. And you know, they tried everybody in the neighborhood, their friends, their colleagues, their associates, to find 
Dylan. Where is Dylan? And they call for Dylan. Dylan, where are you? And after the seventh day, they gave up. And the eighth morning, a woman was walking down the road near where Dylan used to stay, and she heard a whimpering and a little bark from a dog. And she called him, and she said, Come. But he didn't move. And so they called out all the 911 firefighters, police officers, public works employees, the crew workers, electric crew workers, to get one dog out. But what saved the dog? You think about it. Was his whimpering. His cry. His pleading. And if you look at the same psalm here, David feels that he's caught in the mire pit and there is somebody who will take him up and put his feet on a rock in response to his cry, in response to his call, in response to his appeal, in response to his request. And it just may be this morning, maybe you're just feeling about your own life, looking and thinking introspectively, and you say, Lord, I feel I'm in the mire. I feel I'm in the muck. I want you, please. And you know what? The God of all grace, the Lord Jesus will come and lift you up and set your feet upon a rock. And the last time the picture is given of the rock is in Isaiah 32 and verse 2, the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. The scene setting is in the desert. You can picture it in your mind. There are no bushes around. Water is scarce. The sun is beating down. The living creatures hardly seem to be in existence. But you know what is the one outstanding feature of that desert? Right in the middle, there's a rock. And the rock leaps up, as it were, to the sky. It is gigantic. It is enormous. And what is so significant about the rock? Its shadow. That in all of that place of barrenness and dryness, and all of it there, there's a place there in the desert, a shadow where you can find refuge and comfort and the coolness of the presence of Christ. Now it may be, for some of us here today, you're going through a certain trial in your life, you're thinking about the future, you're wondering about your own uh, personal circumstances and things are tough and tight. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the smitten rock. 
Lead me to the secure rock and lead me to the sheltering rock. I've already gone over time. I would never speak so long in the church where I am, but let me just spend a couple, one last story. I love telling stories. Do you know that? I do. I, 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 love, I love telling stories. And I've got people who are there in the congregation who said, you know what, we love your stories. But I want to tell you a story that I hope will bring out the point. When I first came into the ministry, there weren't many ministers around. There wasn't many money. There wasn't much money around neither. And what they did was they gave me two churches, the denomination for which I was working. And I rushed backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. and It was uh, tough going. And I thought what I would do, because there were two congregations, and the one congregation complained that I was always with the other congregation, and the other congregation always complained I was with them. They were always grumbling. And um, I thought I'd take them for a picnic one day. Uh, if you go up to Kloofnik, and the one road goes down towards Camps Bay, and the other goes down towards Clifton, and as you go down to the one on the right, there's down there in the valley right down there a place called the Glen. And people have picnics there and that. And I organized a meeting with the two churches. We had a prize and all the rest of it. But I thought we'd also have a little bit of light entertainment. And so I got a large tug of war rope, brand new strong there but and I put it out there on the ground and I said ladies I want you all to go and take the rope on that side and when I tell you to pull you pull and I said to every man that is here I want you to be on this side and then I told the men that you will not be able to pull the ladies away. And some of the ladies were statkers, you know what I'm talking about. And, and they got ready and the, all the chaps laughed at me. I said, I'm telling you, you will not be able to pull the ladies away. And, um, and I had a whistle and I had a make it look official with a ribbon in the middle there. And I said, are you ready? And the ladies all stood boy, in the hotel. And they started pulling. And you know, I want to tell you, ladies, you would have been proud to be on the pulling side. They did not give an inch. They stood firm, steadfast. And as much as the guys pulled, the ladies remained steadfast. But you know what? I didn't tell the guys. At the end of the rope, where the ladies were, I tied it to a tree. <laughs> and can, you, can I just tell you, what was the strength of the ladies? Their anchor. What is your strength and mine? our anchor 
And if you are overwhelmed, perhaps there is the smitten rock. There is the secure rock. There is the sheltering rock. Won't you just with me for a moment, whatever it might be in your life, something very, very personal, let's bring it to Jesus now. Would you do that? It's bound a moment of prayer. Lord, you know all of our hearts this morning. You know our backgrounds. You know our limitations, our frailty, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. And Lord, we are even amazed that you should have a concern for us. And I want to pray this morning for those in this meeting who just feel a very real sense of need. Lord Jesus, as they reach out to you, as they lift up their voice, as they cry, just put your arms around them now. Lord, would you put your arms around me? Would you put your arms around Lynette and any others of us who are struggling? So that, Lord, when our hearts are overwhelmed, help us to go to the rock that is higher than I. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We're coming to the table. And if, if we are we going to sing before we go to the table? We're going to sing one.